Hi everybody, it's Michael Camarena once again from the Rock Community Church. This is our second study in the book of 1 John uh, as we're going through it uh, in our men's ministry. Uh, we meet once a week uh, for men's breakfast and uh, we would at a restaurant and we would love to have anyone out there who would like to join us. You can find more information on our website at trcclive.org. Um, but it's a once a month men's breakfast where we fellowship, we have great, a great meal, uh, we do some, some prayer, we have a time of prayer, and we also study God's Word. Uh, and it's early in the morning um, at a restaurant here in Anaheim Hills, and uh, we'd love to have you join us if you'd, if you'd like. So go to our website for more information. But for today, um, we're doing this uh, study, or we're going through a study in First John, um, and I've been recording these these uh, teachings uh, for our website because we have been meeting outside at the restaurant because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, so the restaurants are only allowing us to eat outside uh, and that does that is not conducive to recording the messages as we teach them uh, over there because of the noise pollution outside. We're pretty close to a freeway. So I've just been recording these uh, after the fact and then posting them to our website. So uh, hope you enjoy. Uh, let's go ahead and pray before we get get into our study of 1 John. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, the fact that you chose to reveal yourself to us through your word. And so as we come to your word right now, we pray for open hearts and open minds. We pray that you would cleanse our hearts from all unrighteousness. And uh, thank you for the forgiveness that you extend, the grace you extend to us. Uh, we're not worthy of it, but um, but you are such a loving and gracious God that you choose to you chose to send your Son to die for our sins on the cross. Um, so, Lord, thank you for that, and again, open our hearts and our minds. Thank you for this time, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to study First John chapter one verses five through seven. And the last time we went through the first four verses of the book. Uh, and so just to recap a little bit uh, what we talked about last time, First John was written in response by the Apostle John in response to the heresies of the time that had infiltrated the church. There were a number of heresies that uh, John specifically rebuts in this epistle of First John. And so here's just a, a, a list of uh, some of those heresies. And um, so starting with the the heresy that had infiltrated the church that Jesus was not human. Another heresy was that man does not sin. Another one, the obedience of believers is optional. You can hate your brother and still be a Christian. Love the world. And finally, Jesus is not the Christ. These are the heresies that had, that had crept into the church from within. Uh, and so John writes this epistle to, to uh, encourage the, the people in the church, encourage the believers, and to let them know that this is what the Christian life looks like. This is what Christian theology looks like. And so he, he goes about correcting a lot of these heresies. And so he starts off the epistle with a bang. 
he doesn't give the typical introduction of, of a letter. Uh, he just goes right into it. He says in verse 1, What was from the beginning, what we have heard with, uh, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. In other words, he's saying, look, I was with Jesus. We, the apostles, were with Jesus. We saw him. We heard him. We touched him. Our hands handled him. And we know that Jesus was a man, a human. Right? That's the first heresy I mentioned, that they were saying Jesus wasn't a, was not a human. And uh, he jumps right in and says, no, we saw him. We were with him. Um, and so... John, you can sense this uh, this sense of urgency in his letter here. Another thing that we talked about last time is the fact that First John is circular in nature, as opposed to linear. Right? There's a circular argument. So what he does in this book is in the first chapter and a half, uh, he present he's presenting the various ways in which the Christian faith manifests itself. In the life of the believer, right? He gives various ways how our faith manifests itself in our lives, and then he he kind of circles back and and revisits those same those same ideas, and every time he just adds a little more depth to to these statements. Each time he circles back, he he gives us a little bit more, and so John's going to begin. In, in the section of scripture we're in this time, John is going to begin to list these confirmations of our faith. Uh, but before he does that, he needs to lay a foundation. Right? Every argument has to have a foundational truth on which it is based. And John needs to lay this foundation before he goes into uh, some of these um, confirmations of our faith. But every argument has this found, a foundational truth on which it is based. For example, if I'm going to argue that I love my wife, I have to first establish that she is my wife. Right? That's a foundational truth that I have to establish before I make the argument that I love her. And so John is laying that foundation here in verses 5 through 7 of chapter 1. So let's go ahead and read uh, those four verses First uh, John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. It says, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. I mentioned that these manifestations of faith that John is going to be mentioning in this epistle, these things are proof of salvation. This is a foundational, this is the foundational truth uh, of everything that John says in the rest of this letter. One of the manifestations that he's going to mention uh, later on, is this idea of, of God being light, or, or this idea of light. Right? In, in chapter 2, verse 9 of First John, he says, The one who says he is in the light 
and yet hates his brother, is in the darkness until now. So he's got to establish this idea of light. And so John lays this foundation down at the very beginning of the epistle by saying that God is light. God is light. Now, the question that we want to answer before we do anything is, is what does that mean? What does it mean that God is light? It's very important to understand if you want to understand the rest of the epistle. We need to understand what it means that God is light. This, this is a foundational uh, thing to understand if we, need, if we want to understand the nature of God. right? God is light. So what does that mean? Well, we do know that in the Old Testament, uh, that God appeared as light, a physical light. That he, he manifested himself, for example, to the children of Israel as a, a, a pillar of light, right? In the book of Exodus, when, when Moses went up into the mountain while they were wandering in the wilderness to receive the law from God, um, you remember he was told by God that he should go and lead the people, right? And Moses was afraid of this. This this gave him some fear about his ability to do just that, to, to lead the children of Israel. And Moses said, I'm not going to do that unless you go with me, God, unless your presence is with me. And so Moses asked God, he said, show me your glory. And in Exodus 33 and 34, God God tucked Moses uh, in the in the cleft of, cleft of a rock, and and then God allowed a portion of His glory to pass by, not His full glory, just a portion of His glory, because God said, "No man, no man can see Me and live," is what God had said. So, um, and the glory that Moses saw was some kind of light, some kind of light. In fact, the light that emanated from the presence of God. It got on the face of Moses so that when he came, came down from the mountain to speak to the children of Israel, his face was shining with the reflection of that light. His face was still glowing. He, manif- he manifested himself uh, to the children of Israel as a light. God, God did. God manifested himself to the children of Israel as a light by leading them during the day. You remember? As a, as a pillar or I'm sorry, a cloud of light during the day in the sky, and then a pillar of fire at night that, that, that formed a, a light by which they were led throughout the wilderness. When the tabernacle was finally completed at the end of the book of Exodus, the, the light which represented God came down from heaven. It's what's, what's called the Shekinah glory of God. And this, this light... Uh, this was the presence of God, this manifest light, came down and came into the tabernacle and dwelt in the tabernacle amongst the, the children of Israel. God is light. Also, we, we see in the New Testament that Jesus, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he allowed some of the disciples to, to see who he really was. He, he kind of shed uh, some of his humanity and and he manifested himself as light. Remember, he was, he was transfigured before them as a bright, shining light. And this absolutely terrified those disciples that witnessed this. 
First Timothy chapter 6, verses 15 and 16 descri- describes God this way. He who is the blessed and only sovereign king, I'm sorry, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light. There's so many other passages that describe God as light, but uh, uh, here's just one more. Uh, Psalm 104.2 says that God covers himself with light as with a cloak. All this to say that God is light. He grants to us light. But this light that he grants to us is given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, right? God is light and he grants this light to us and, he, and it is given to us through Jesus. How do we know that? Well, 1 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that God has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may, might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. The light shines from God through Christ to us. And they and God does this by the means by by way of the gospel. Right? So the light shines from God through Jesus Christ by way of the gospel. God is light. Jesus Christ is the very image of the invisible God. It is through Jesus that the very light of God is conveyed to us through the gospel. So now that we now we've established that God uh, is light. God is light. And so the next question is what what is it? What is this light? How does God define light? Well, listen to Psalm 36 verse 9. Psalm 36 Verse 9, it says, for, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Let me read that again. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. This is a form of a Hebrew expression called a parallelism. So the psalmist is equating these two sentences, which I just read. For with you is the fountain of life, in your light we see light. That verse equates light with life. It's only because of God that we have life. And it's only because of his light that we see light. Life and light are linked. And so here we have the beginning of our understanding of the reality that God is light, right? God is light in the sense that God is life. God is life. Now, in the Gospel of John, uh, in the first chapter, we see, we see this very clearly. In the first four verses, of the Gospel of John in chapter 1. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Now watch this. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Did you see that? 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's John chapter 1, verse 4. The Apostle John is defining light as life. That life was the light of men. Jesus is clearly the source of life. The creator, Jesus the creator, is the source of life, right? Now, I want to show you something that's very interesting, very fascinating to me. Uh, Turn to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to look just at the first three verses of the Bible, really. First three verses of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Now, verse 3. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now, skip down to verse 14 of chapter 1 of Genesis. It says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So God, that's, that's day four that we just read in verse 14. God doesn't create the sun and the moon until day four. But for those first three days, there is light, right? He created light on day one. Let there be light, he said in, in verse three. So for three days, there was no sun and no moon, and yet there was light in the day as if, as if there was a sun, and there was light in the night as if there was a moon. So So what's the deal here? Well, God himself was the source of that light. God was the source of that light. Living things need the sun to live, right? And so on day day two, when he creates the the plants, um, or I'm sorry, day day three, he created created the plants, the living things, they needed light to grow. They, create, they were created on day three, and, and they needed light on that day to live. And so the, the light, the source of that light was God himself. So the light is the life. God is light. This is very important for us uh, to understand not only the rest of First John, but really to understand who God is. And that's why I'm really trying to drive this home, that God is light, and the light is the life. Light is life. God is life. Now, someone asks, well, what are you talking about specifically when you say that God is life? Are you talking about earthly life, or are you talking about eternal life? Well, the short answer is both. We're talking about earthly life and eternal eternal life, spiritual life. God is the source of all life. Every living thing, right? Every creature, every human being that ever appeared on the face of the earth was given life by the one true living God. The plants, the animals, human beings, even those who spend their entire lives hating God, lying about God, rebelling against God, all living things were given life by the source of life, which is God. Genesis 2.7 says that 
the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Job 33.4 says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13 says that God gives life to all things. So God has given every creature, every plant, every animal, every human, he's given them earthly life. But God is also the source of spiritual life, eternal life. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 3.16 says, First, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Again, there's so many verses to choose from on this, but here's, a, here's just one more. 1 John 2.25 This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. So God is life. God is light. He is the source of earthly life and spiritual life. He is the source of temporal life and the source of eternal life. So just to let's just reread our, our verse, our passage for today. First John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So he says there, there is no darkness at all. There's no darkness. In other words, there's no death, right? There's only eternal life. If light is, is life, then darkness would be death, right? So there's no darkness in God at all. There's no death. There's only eternal life. Another uh, component, there's a couple more components of, of this idea of light, right, that I want to talk about. Throughout the Bible, light is equated with truth, okay? So light is life, but light, light is also equated in the Bible with truth. So in Psalm 119, 130, it says, The unfolding of your words give light. The unfolding of your words give light. Again, a lot of a lot of verses I could choose I could choose from, but here's a couple more. Isaiah five twenty. This is another uh, parallelism, uh, Hebrew parallelism. It says, "Woe to those who call evil good, and good evil, who substitute darkness for light, and light for darkness." So. Evil is paralleled with darkness, and good is paralleled with light, or, you know, truth. Ephesians 5, 8 and 9, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness 
and righteousness and truth. So there's, there's this moral component and this, this truth component to light. And then, so the, expanding on that moral component, this, this uh, idea of light uh, being equated with righteousness or holiness in the Bible. In Matthew 5, 16, Jesus himself said, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So light is also equated with truth and with righteousness. Now there's an analogy that exists that is just absolutely brilliant. Now I I realize to call God brilliant is an immense understatement. It's like if I were to tell my wife, you know, honey, you're pretty. I mean, it, it just doesn't even begin to scratch the surface, right? Uh, but, but this is brilliant. Look, what, what happens when light enters a dark room? The darkness is pushed out, right? The darkness is pushed out and we see what is actually happening. We see the truth of what is actually occurring. So the, the light pushes out the darkness and we, and we can see the truth. Well, why do you think so much more crime happens at night instead of the day? Well, it's because we know that these things are wrong and we want to hide our sin, our unrighteousness. And so we are called in 1 John 1, 7 to walk in God's marvelous light, to walk in his life to walk in his truth, to walk in his righteousness. God is light. He is life. He's given us earthly life. He's given us eternal life. He's given us his truth. He's given us his righteousness. Not our own righteousness, his righteousness. And you see, this this is very important to understand these things because John is about to make the argument in chapter 2 that all these arguments that that refute the heresies of the time right that you can't that you don't sin right or he's he's refuting that he's he's saying uh you you can't sin you can't hate your brother you can't live in the flesh if if you are walking in the light, if you are walking in the truth, in righteousness, you can't do those things. At least you, you can't practice them, right? I mean, God's standard is perfection. God's standard is absolute sinlessness. And and not that we are sinless, but that Jesus was and 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 his righteousness has been imputed onto us. And we are now called to walk in that righteousness. We are called to to practice righteousness. You can't say that you have no sin and consider yourself to be in the fellowship. That's not the truth. We are to walk in the light. We are to walk in the truth. We are to walk in his eternal life. I hope that makes sense. I know this is a big topic. This is a, a... 
a big um, truth to understand about God, that he is light, that he is life and truth and righteousness. But it is important that we understand what that means, that God is light. And so now that we've studied that and established that, we can now study the rest of 1 John through that lens. And so as we go through this study, let's, let's just try to keep that at, at the forefront of our, of our thoughts as we read through 1 John, that God is light, God is life, God is truth, God is righteousness. And as it says uh, in 1 John, we are to walk in his marvelous light. So that was 1 John 1, 5 through 7. And next time we're going to look at verses 8, 9, and 10. So I hope to see you next time.